Welcome to the Wise Women Diaries podcast. This is where shame and victimhood die. I am a woman that questions everything, so this podcast is a reflection of that. Here we speak on non-mainstream perspectives, like healing our childhood wounds, learning to trust ourselves, the voice of fear versus intuition, and how children are our teachers. We discuss what it looks like to own your power as a woman and step out of the medical paradigm. That's why I am obsessed with interviewing women who trust their bodies and babies in home birth and free birth and their wild journey from maiden to mother. Ultimately, this podcast is for women who want to thrive and have inner peace, learning how to take radical responsibility for their life and shed victimhood for good. Hi, everyone. I am Carolina. I am a mother. I am a doula. I am a recent birth photographer. I think I can claim that now that I've done it a few times. Um, And yeah, I'm excited to share my story. I feel very passionate about helping women come to the realization that they are powerful beings and that we have more control over our lives than we seem to think we have. So that is why I'm here today. And um, yeah, I am a city girl turned recent homesteader as well. I guess that's what's trending now. So I hopped on that trend. Um, And yeah, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, that's a very interesting fact about you. Is you were I you you and your husband met like at a nightclub in Miami or something, and now you are a homesteader in Michigan. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love it. That's what love does to you. That's what love does to you. <laughs> Apparently, and you're building your beautiful family together. We are. We just had. Well, not just. She's a year old already, but it felt like it happened yesterday. Um, my first daughter, Raina. She is 13 months old, and then I will be welcoming our second child in, I guess, next month. It's February already. That's crazy. Next month, yep. So I'll have two under two. I'm so excited. (laughs) Wow. So excited to find the balance there and just see how that goes. So, Yeah, I wanted you to come on. I wanted you to come on because you are a first-time mom, but home birther, which is more of a unique path where you didn't feel like you had to have a trial run hospital birth to then choose a home birth. And that whenever a woman chooses home birth or free birth as her first birth, there's something about her personality that I just feel like has to be different. Like, what do you think that is for you? I just, I... Don't have any other way to explain it other than I don't like doing what the rest of the world does. (laughs) Um, I feel like if everyone's doing something, I should question why. Uh, And that's just always been my personality. Like I just have this need to figure out why people are doing what they're doing. Um, And so, you know, jumping into planning my birth. I mean, you were a big aspect because I think we were following each other online at the time and you were posting things. And that's the beauty of social media, I think, although it has a lot of negative aspects, like the addiction point of social media, I'm not a fan of. But 
what I can get out of it in terms of information and knowledge from others, I think that played a huge role as well. Um, understanding that like there is another path to choose. Like people are doing it this way, but I could do it this way. Um, so just always questioning, always wondering like why, what's the reason behind people wanting to take this route. So I realized that that wasn't going to be me. <laughs> so yeah, I would say social media had a big aspect of my decision making at the time. Yeah, social media has dark and light, just like yes. everything. Everything can be used for good or bad, good or evil. And I see that with social media because a lot of my connections, like we technically met through Instagram. Mm -hmm. and I photographed Carolina's wedding and a few years ago. And a lot of the feminine awakening that's happening on the planet right now, a lot of us are finding ourselves, finding each other through social media, through the internet. That is so beautiful. That is so amazing where we're gaining this huge network of women that are reclaiming our power, our wombs, all of it. And we're finding each other. And I, it is all thanks to social media. And I am so grateful. So I'm not someone sitting here being like, oh, social media is so bad, so evil. It could be used for that. But we women are finding each other through it. And it just goes to show that there's a lack of like real life community in that way. Like yeah. there has to be some sort of disconnect here that like I'm unable to find that easily in my own community in real life and that I have to seek the internet in order to find like-minded women taking the same like awakening path as I'm I'm in right now. So like that's kind of sad to realize like I couldn't find that in person so easily. Um so just grateful that I was able to come into a community in some sort of way, if not in person, at least online. Yes. Where do you want to start your story? Do you want to start it in childhood or more recently? Um, I think more recently. Um, I think um, I don't know if I always wanted to be a mom or not. Like, I don't know if I sat on the idea of motherhood um, coming into my marriage. I don't know if I, if it was much of a thought, but I, I know right when I got married, I was like ready to go like right away. I was like, let's just go for it. Like I just, something came over me. So I think like right after we got married, we were like, well, if it happens, it happens. Like, you know, I think we, conceived the first time on our honeymoon in Tulum, I believe. Um, and I don't know if it was very consciously conceiving. We were kind of like, you know, it's your honeymoon. We're partying, we're drinking, we're going out. Um, but I remember thinking like, if it happens on this trip, it happens, you know, like, don't, don't shut it out. Don't shut out the idea or the possibility. So I think like, that's a big thing. I think when you're ready, you have to be open to it, like wholeheartedly. There can't be anything holding you back. Um, and I think I was just like very down, down for it, down for motherhood. Um, and so we conceived pr pretty early on, but I ended up having a miscarriage on my birthday. <laughs> 
So that was hard. Um, and it was pretty far along. I was going into my second trimester at that point. So it was pretty painful and very shocking, like something you just like don't think would happen to you for some reason, even though it's very common. It happens to a lot of women. The statistics are there. But like for some reason, like this miracle has come over you. You're just like head over heels. And then it's like, it feels like it's taken away from you so suddenly and without warning. And that's like pretty hard to go through. Um, so that was a little traumatizing for me. Um, yes. Um, I, I think I saw, I don't think then I had decided yet that I was going to do a home birth. I think I had the knowledge of home birth, the possibility of being able to do it, but I had jumped to see a doctor that pregnancy. I remember I went in for like a pretty early on ultrasound at like seven or eight weeks. Um, and just like everything about it was such a turnoff to me, everything about like setting up the appointment, like just the women on the phone, like walking into the OBG's waiting room. It was just like a turnoff, the environment, like the lighting in there, like just the posters that were up on the wall. Um, even the doctor himself, like was just, you know, he was wearing a mask. I couldn't see his face. It just felt like he was like trying to get me in and out of there. Um, so like the whole experience was just like off on the wrong foot. I feel like, um, I'm curious if you were consciously aware that you didn't like it in your, in your mind, were you like, I don't like this or was your body just feeling that, that misalignment? I think my body was just feeling the misalignment. Yeah. I don't think I was thinking like, this is off. I think like my body was just, I was kind of just going through the motions. Like, okay, this is what people do. Like I'm pregnant. We're going to go see the baby. We're going to get an ultrasound. We're going to figure out, like, I'm going to hear the heartbeat. Like it was just kind of like, I was in the pattern of like what everyone else does pretty much. I was you just on, going through the motion. You were on yeah. autopilot. I was on autopilot. Yeah. And then I, I don't think it was till after the appointment <laughs> where I was able to check in with myself and like, realize like, okay, how do I feel right now? Like that was, it was whatever. Like, and that's sad because it's like such a miraculous thing that happens to you. Like, I don't think we realize how miraculous conceiving a child is because it's like, oh, everybody seems to be doing it. Like, it seems to be just like a thing that we go through in life. And like, we've taken the miracle aspect out of it. Um, and just like the whole way those appointments were handled and like the experience and like the environment and the waiting room and the interaction between the doctors and the nurses, it was just like, it did not feel miraculous to me. So, um, yeah, I, I look back on that now and I'm like, ew, <laughs> like just ew. Um, and then I feel like I went in for like another ultrasound maybe at another point because they said it was too early on to hear the heartbeat the first time around. So to come back in a couple weeks. And then when I came back for the second ultrasound, I remember the technician saying something like, she had the wand inside of me. And I remember she said something like, oh, the, the egg is very far away from the yolk. 
or the sack is too far away from the yoke, whatever. And like immediately I'm like, oh my God, what does that mean? Um, and so like, you know, you go home, you're like on the internet for hours trying to figure out like, is something like not happening that, you know, should be happening? Like, is there something wrong? And who knows if that played a part in me miscarrying? Like, who knows if me sitting on the internet for hours because of like her one comment and like just sitting in this anxiety and like, you know, just obsessively searching forums of what like this could mean. Like, who knows if that played a role in miscarrying this child? I also just wonder about in that energy. Yeah, totally. Energy is a huge thing. And also, I wonder about ultrasounds. And I don't want people to take this from like this fearful aspect, but like the FDA website on ultrasound says it heats tissues right mm-hmm. it, it it's actually doing something to the tissues of the woman's body and the baby's body and yep. i've seen a lot of instagram stories where people have posted that they just miscarried and they're like i just had an ultrasound the other day and now i'm miscarrying and i'm not saying they're correlated, but I would love to do a study on the statistics of that because I've never seen anyone study that. Well, you wonder. It's definitely a possibility. It's definitely a possibility because of the fact that like ultrasounds have not been around for that long. So, you know, who knows? Who I don't know if they're doing real studies. I feel like there's more money backed behind it than anything. Um so, and you know what happens when money comes into play. I, I don't, I don't know, like, even if the studies are done, if they're, you know, real yeah, I, I independence. Just, yeah, studies. totally. So, so totally. I, 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 I want to, I want to be that independent researcher. <laughs> yes. <laughs> pull, yeah. pull all these women. I should actually do it. I, sh- I should start doing it. You should. Pull all these women. And if they miscarried, did you have an ultrasound? And what was the timing between when you did and when you miscarried? Like, I'm just fascinated by it because I've seen a lot of stories that they just had a heartbeat and now they don't. So that's what made me pretty, like, it's sad because now I kind of like fear the ultrasounds. You know what I mean? I know. That experience alone, like, was there a correlation there? There could be. I don't know. And so from that point on, I was like, okay, if next time I go through this again, like very minimal ultrasounds, like unless it's like absolutely necessary. Um, and so second time around, it was totally different. Um, I did not opt in for any ultrasounds, any anatomy scans, none of that. So um, yeah, I, I don't know. And I, I feel like, we're always trying to get something out of it. And it's like, are we even supposed to know? Like, you know, do we really need to know what size the baby is at this point through an ultrasound? Like, do we really need to know the gender? Like, are these things, you know, yeah, I th- if, some, if something's wrong with the baby, like, what is that going to change for me? Like, what is that going to do for my mental state? What is that going to do for the rest of you know the gestation period of my child like it doesn't make sense to me um so i just am not a fan personally yeah and we have to always keep an account that there's stories of ultrasounds missing twins and missing major congenital diseases right like it's not 100% 
factual. And the only way to know anything for a fact is once your baby is born. And we just have to like or keep that in horrible, mind. Horrible stories of doctors recommending, you know, abortions um, to end pregnancies and like stories where the mothers have declined that and the baby has come out totally fine. So it's like, whoa, <laughs> like how many times does that happen where a woman terminates a pregnancy because they said they found something and, you know, it's recommended that they terminate. I just like could never, I could never imagine doing that and going through that. So it's just, these are things to think about and like everything, there are risks. And I think people don't inform themselves or get informed from their practitioners of the risks, the full risks. So always do your research um, and always listen to your intuition. So before, so after your first miscarriage and then when you get pregnant again, you really woke up during that time because then I your think path. So. Okay. Yeah, I think so. The second time around, I just went at it totally differently. I had looked back and I realized like I was sitting in a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear and a lot of like what ifs right before my miscarriage. And like, like you said, energy is very important. Um, and so I, I thought like maybe me sitting in that headspace, like, that could have just told the baby, like, I'm not ready. <laughs> um, so maybe I just, I wasn't ready. And maybe the baby felt that and um, it just wasn't my time. And, and also it woke you up though. like, And it woke me up. Yeah. Like this is what I want a lot of women to understand. You know, if you have a really long preconception phase of infertility or miscarriages, like a lot of people, it is the instigation to that massive personal growth. And that's your story. Mm -hmm. It was. And then I also found myself wanting a baby way like deeper than I ever thought I could, you know, like I told you the first time around, I really hadn't thought about motherhood. I really like, it was kind of like, oh, let's just do it. You know, let's just go for it and see what happens. And because I lost the first pregnancy, like now I wanted it. <laughs> now I so deeply wanted it. Um, but I knew at the same time that I was not in control of it. Although I wanted it, like it was not for me to decide when I was ready and when it was going to happen. And so I had to just like try to relax. And that's very hard to like want something so deeply and know that like, you have no control of it because most things in life, like if I want it, I can go out and get it. I can get in the car and go to the store and grab like whatever I'm craving or I can, you know, if I want a specific career, I can work my way towards it. But when it comes to wanting a family, like that's not up to you. And it's so, so hard because it is your body, like your body. So you think you have control over your body. But we both believe in this higher power that is all-knowing, all-seeing. So where, where does your relationship with God play into, you know, that miscarriage and then? Mm -hmm. I think at the time, um, I 
like all throughout college and all throughout my youth, I don't think I had like that deep of a relationship with God. I mean, I always knew there was a God. I'd never doubted that. Um, but I don't think it was until I met my husband where I started thinking about my relationship in a, in a different way. Now that I was like falling in love and I had this man who was, is the like best possible human I could be with. And um, I think a lot of that is because he has such a strong relationship with God. And so he really inspired me to just dig a little deeper. Um, and I've always had things in my life pretty like easily. Like I've never, I can't say I've ever struggled. Like I know people who have struggled in deep ways. Um, and I'm blessed that I've had everything so good up to this point. Um, and so that loss was a deep loss for me because I just, I haven't experienced much loss in my life yet. Um, except for that one that was pretty hit home for me. So that was my opportunity to dig a little deeper in my faith. Um, and yeah, it, there's just something about surrendering that, um, really like drew me in like, okay, like I'm just going to give it up. Like I have no control, like realizing that God is in, in the driver's seat and like, he is my creator. I'm here because of him. Therefore he knows what is good for me and he will determine when my time is. So that was, it took some time to understand and get to, but like I have to give it up to my husband for being such a strong, like willed and um, like loving man to help bring me to that point too. He also like, I remember there was a few days where I was just like wallowing in bed after miscarrying, um, which is like, we need that. We need to grieve. Um, but like at a certain point, like he had to get me out of bed and say like, life goes on, you know? Um, and that might seem like a little insensitive to a lot of people, but I, I needed that push and he knew that I needed that push. And he was like, all right, you've had your time. Like, it's time to get up. We're going to go continue living life. Like we got things to do. Things got to get done around the house. Like, let's go. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think, I think, uh, the grieving is good. We all need to grieve, but we can't just sit there and feel sorry for ourselves for longer than necessary. So um, that's another thing is like everyone has their struggles and realizing that that was just one of my struggles and it's not going to define how I decide to live the rest of my life. So that's, that's what I kind of came into at that time. That's beautiful because I really see with grief that it's like a fork in the road and God kind of gives you this opportunity of free will, of survivor mentality, like, no, this is for me. This is going to make me a better person. I want to be a better person from this. Or the other road is life is out to get me. God is against me. I am a victim. And the ego mind really wants to latch onto that. 
And I think your husband probably saw that, you know, like he knows grief is important, but he knows you and he knows what you're capable of and that you are a survivor mentality person. And he's like, hey, you gr- you grieved and you had to, but also mm-hmm. we have other things to do. Like, and and you can be better for this. I think the victim mentality is like such a turnoff. Like, I think that would have turned him off if he just saw that I was, you know, feeling sorry for myself and was just going to lay there and do nothing but cry and complain and why me? And, you know, it's a turnoff. Like, you don't, that's, that's not a heroic way of going about your struggles in life. Like, there's nothing, there's nothing wow about that. So, yeah. Yeah, I think we all know those people who have been through incredible things and they are the most incredible person now. And then there's also people who have been through crazy shit, but they have stopped living from it. And we we all have that free will. And all of our struggles are different. You know, like I haven't gotten pregnant in like a decade, but I've never had a miscarriage. But not getting pregnant is my struggle. And that's what's carved my faith. And that's carved my survivor mentality. You know, and yours was through a loss. And we all have these different struggles that carve us. And there's going to be more in the future, yep, I'm sure. Exactly. So it's just being aware of like, this is just one thing that's going to happen. Like, this is just one thing that happened. There's many more to come. And what am I going to do? Just like hate life because of it? No. Yep. Um, so yeah, we just need to learn that we need to grow from these things rather than let it hold us back in any way. Yeah. All right. Do you want to go into your pregnancy with Raina? Yeah. Um, I found out I was pregnant with Raina. Let's see. October. I think seven months after my miscarriage. So pretty quick. I mean, considering some of the things that I could have been dealing with, I think Oh, before I got pregnant with her, I, um, we were in that space where I wanted it badly. I was kind of desperate now to become a mom. And, um, I think I was getting a facial and the girl who was doing my facial brought up some doctor, like infertility specialist, um, and basically was telling me, oh, my sister went through a very similar thing where she got she miscarried and couldn't get pregnant for a while. So she went and saw this doctor. He's really good, whatever, blah, blah, blah. So I ended up making an appointment with him. And um, I think I got an ultrasound where he took a look at what was going on in my uterus and um, ended up telling me I had some like ovarian cysts going on. And he was like, it's nothing to worry about, but you have like about eight cysts, like take a look. And they were just like these little circles. And I'm like, okay, well, what does this mean? Like, is this normal? Do like a lot of women have this? And he's like, oh yeah, this is normal. Like I wouldn't be concerned unless you were very overweight, um, but you're a healthy woman. These are, these are normal things to have. Uh, it's, it shouldn't really affect you conceiving, but I do want you to avoid having sex with your husband for a little while until like your next few appointments. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. So never saw that guy again. 
just because, like, what? no. And also, I just found it weird. Like, I'm like, okay, cysts are normal. Like, what is this? Like, is it normal? So I don't know. The whole thing was also such a turnoff. So every time I left a doctor's office during like the point of my uh, first pregnancy conception and beyond and before conceiving Raina, I was like, okay, like maybe I should just not return to these places because I'm not getting much out of these people and what they're saying and like don't have sex with my husband. Like we just got married. (laughs) We had just got married. So I was like, no. And for me to go and tell him that, like, he's the type of guy that's like, he's going to listen to me say that and just laugh. Right. So that was the last time I saw a doctor. Just want to like put, put that in there. And the fact that I went to see a fertility specialist was like, it's funny to me now that I think about it. Um, and the fact that I was able to conceive just seven months later just goes to show like, I had nothing to worry about. There was nothing wrong. I just had to be patient. Um, And honestly, I think like the last few months there before I conceived her, I don't think I was even thinking about a baby. I think I I had gotten to this point where I was just like living and like connecting with my husband. And we were reading a lot of like couples books and like just getting deeper into one another and other, other ways other than just, you know, let's have a baby. So, um, I think that's where like the secret lied for him and I, um, just like connection and just focusing on us. And if the baby comes, the baby comes, but, um, I, I wasn't thinking about it at the end there, but I remember like missing my period. And then two days later I was like, okay, let's just take a test. Like whatever happens will happen. And I remember, I took a pregnancy test and before looking at it, I had a conversation with God and I was like, it's really up to you. Like I'm putting this in your hands. I like whatever I see, I don't care. Like it's, it's up to you. This is your plan. And I said that out loud and I wholeheartedly meant it. Like I made sure I was saying it while meaning it. And then I looked at it and I found out I was pregnant and I just like sobbed. (laughs) Like I've never cried so hard. I just remember crying on the bathroom floor very hard. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was great. It was a great experience. And it was just like a great, a great moment with God. That's really all I can say about it. Um. I'm curious um, what your mental chatter was about last time you reflex, reflexively, reactionarily just went to the doctor, you know, like a lot of us would yeah. on autopilot. So yeah. this time you didn't. So what was that this thought time, process? This time I don't even think I thought about like seeing anybody until maybe well into my second trimester. I was like, maybe I should look into like at least having a midwife. So second trimester comes around and I think I started doing some research, but I don't think I saw a doctor my first trimester. Um, so I was really just like enjoying the pregnancy and taking it day by day. And just like, there was no anxiety. There was no fear. I don't even think I thought that much about my miscarriage. Um, 
which is surprising. Yeah. It but is I surprising. Just, I felt like this time was different. I felt like this time was meant to be. I wasn't, you know, worried about any checkups and making any appointments. And I was just like living in the moment. I was helping my husband at his office at this time. He owns a dental practice. So I was just going into work and like helping him build the business. And I was just immersed in my life. I wasn't obsessing. You kept yeah. living. You just kept, kept living. living. Which, which is, is crazy, what, right? <laughs> yeah, that but that's what pregnancy is. Is like you just keep living life and you have a growing baby in you. But in our society, you know, it's categorized under disease or pathology or whatever. And then you start going to a doctor because it's like something's wrong with you. But you know, there's women like you and other women in my personal life that you just keep living your normal life and nothing mm -hmm. changes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's a, such a good feeling because it's not like, I don't know, I feel like I feel like I would have had more anxiety about like the baby coming and like my life changing and oh no, what's going to happen between my husband and I? Are we ever going to be the same? And we're not going to get to travel as much anymore. And I just, I didn't have any of those like fears or doubts or anxieties. I was just like, you know, I'm pregnant. This is just what we're doing. And baby's going to be here and life's going to be good. I feel like if I were doing like the appointments and the this and that, it would have just like, it would have made me nervous about everything that was to come just because it's so like, it's obvious that you're having a baby. Like for me, it was not obvious. That was just like going through my days, which was nice. Um, but I was still obviously aware <laughs> that there was a growing human inside of me and I was doing what I could to connect with the baby and I was meditating and talking to the baby and um, very well connecting, but it wasn't going to be like this whole thing in my life that was going to like change me and change my relationship with my husband. And it was just an addition. So, so do you feel like, do you feel like, I don't know, did you get any tests, any ultrasounds at all? Or did you go completely internal? So, what was that like? When I saw my midwife, we did like some blood tests, some basic like uh, CBC, A1C, all these blood tests that you do just to check your iron levels and all of that. Um, but no actual like testing. Like I never stepped foot inside of a doctor's office, if that's what you're asking. Um, we did hear the heartbeat with the, what do you call it? The Doppler, um, every so often, but it wasn't like an every appointment kind of thing. Um, and that was about it. That was the only tests I guess I had done. Um, and yeah, I fell in love with my midwife. I, she was like everything I pictured a woman at my birth to be just like this grandmotherly figure <laughs> who was just very like nurturing and loving and like deep in her faith. And, um, yeah, she ended up retiring. So this time around, it's going to be a little different, but um, she was just a lovely woman. And everything I pictured 
for a birth attendant. Um, left me alone throughout my labor, like just really trusted me, trusted my body. Um, I don't even think I really saw her until the baby came out. <laughs> so she was everything I wanted. Um, and yeah, I was just very lucky, very lucky to have found her. And um, yeah, really glad I took that route. I feel like I was blessed to have a very like connected midwife, if that makes sense. Like she was very aware of who I wa- who I am, who I was. She asked all the right questions. I feel like she really got the time, took the time to get to know me. Um, never once projected any fear, any of her traumas, any of her fears, nothing. Um, never even once talked about a C-section or possibility of it. Never mentioned anything other than like just me birthing in my power and everything was going to go beautifully and I was going to have a beautiful baby and it was going to be such a good experience. Like just always so positive. And I needed that because I don't think I had anyone else in my life, any other woman in my life to speak in such a way about birth. And I needed that personally. Um, so yeah, she was the best person I could have had at the time. That's so beautiful. That's exactly a wise woman. Mm-hmm. She's hey, awesome. Before before we get into the birth, I feel like let's talk about mushrooms now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's because- perfect because I think I microdosed a couple times. The closer I got to my labor with Raina. I think I was like in my third trimester. I didn't really explore microdosing throughout my pregnancy whatsoever until I kind of reached the end. And I think I started having like a little bit of nerves, um, which is very normal. Like it's something I've never done before. And I just like needed a little bit of confidence in myself and in my ability to do what God designed me to do. Um, And I remember like being home one day and I just like, I don't know, I didn't plan it. I just felt like called to do it that day. I was like, you know what? I have some gummies in my coffee drawer. Let me like take a couple and see what happens. So it was not planned. I remember taking a couple gummies and I went upstairs to my workout room and I was just stretching. And just like connecting with my body, connecting with the baby, just trying to like open myself up. Um, And I remember it felt really good. I was like, oh, why don't I stretch more often? Like I should be doing this every day. This feels so good. (laughs) This is like such self-love I'm giving myself right now. Just like taking the time to breathe and stretch. I think I was like so on the go. I was working every day at my husband's office. I don't think like I took enough time to like just sit with my thoughts and my feelings as much as I wanted to now that I look back. Um, And that moment was so great for me. I just remember stretching. And then at one point I was sitting there and I just start 
like laughing, <laughs> just like laughing out of nowhere. And I could not stop. And I was laughing to the point that I was like crying. And I don't know where it came from. Like to this day, I, I don't even know if I can put like an emotion to that. It was just like hysterical laughing and crying. And I, I don't know what I was holding in. I don't think I did much work to figure that out. Like, I don't think I journaled that time. Um, but I just remember like calling my mom and FaceTiming her and she was like, are you okay? And I'm just like laughing and crying. I'm like, I'm fine. I'm just cracking up right now. And she's like, okay. <laughs> um, but I love that I called my mom. Like, I don't know what that meant either, but I, she was the first person I wanted to talk to. And I was just like in the space of just like hysterically laughing and crying and who knows what emotions I was holding in there that just needed to be released. But I remember hanging up the phone with her and I just felt like good and like ready. Um, and I, I wish I journaled, like I wish I took down what I was feeling and what I was going through in the moment. Um, but I just remember feeling like, okay, I'm ready. Like after just like hysterically crying and laughing for an hour with no words to put to it. You know, it was just like, I came down from that and I was just like ready. I was like, I, I want to birth this baby. Like I'm ready to go. We're doing it here. We're doing it at home. Like this is the home this baby is going to grow up in. Like I'm ready to give this to her, to give her this home and to give her this space. And I, I was just like, I felt so powerful. Um, so that was <laughs> my microdose experience, uh, right before giving birth to her. I want to say that was like the week before. Oh, wow. Yeah. That, yeah. that was a big energy shift. Like you went it into was. it nervous, yeah. yeah, nervous, a little edgy and then boom, energy shift. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I can't even place like exactly what happened. I wish I could. But it was just like, it was so in the moment. I woke up. I was like, you know what? We're doing this today. Like, this is what my intuition's calling me to do. And then I had my moment. I let all this energy out. And then I was just a new person when I came out of it. Um, and like, that prepped me. That really prepped me. And I was ready for it. And I needed that. Whatever that was, I yeah. needed it. Yeah. Let, let's talk about how, like, big plant medicine journeys are so parallel to the birth portal. Like the birth portal is a portal you go into where it's the unknown. You know, you're going to get what you need, not necessarily what you want, but you have to fully surrender to get the, the full experience. And if you're in your head, if you're resisting, if you're holding back, it's going to be a bad trip. And it's true Mm -hmm. with plant medicine the plant medicine portal and birth portal. If you're in your head, if you're resisting, if you're clenching, if you're saying no, 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 that's not going to be a, a good trip. So the the parallels, if someone's in like a preconception phase, I really would suggest big plant medicine journeys because you get the practice of going into this portal of the unknown and you have to surrender your experience. And if you don't, it's, it's not going to be trip. pleasant. Yeah. 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 No, it was very similar. I mean, um, in college and like, I think, I think even after college, I definitely dabbled in some psychedelics and LSD here and there. 
And my birth really did remind me of that. Just like everything from like the wave of emotions and the thoughts that were coming in. And I don't know, like even like this need to like, I need to get out of this room and go into another room. Like just like this feeling of just like, like, fuck this room. I have to get out. Like (laughs) I need to go somewhere else. It's just like so similar in the sense of like, there's so much going on and like, you're just like, you just need to find your peace in it. You know what I mean? Um, And so I think it's a good, a way, a good way to prep for birth. It's such a psychedelic experience if you allow it to be, and if you give into it. Um, But just like, just like, you know, the microdose trip, I was like stretching and connecting with my body and like allowing myself to open up and then all that emotion coming out of me, like I just needed to push that out of me. And it was because I was so connected with my body and connected with the moment. And I think psychedelics and psilocybin psilocybin really helps connect you and ground you to your own body so that you can release the emotions that need to come out. And also so that you can receive what's coming in. We're so blocked all the time because of the world around us. I think like we're so programmed to look at the world in a certain way. And these plant medicines really helps remove that block in in ways that we think we can do ourselves, but we're so deep in the program that it's very, very hard to get there without the help of plant medicine. Um, People like to think they can get there without the help, but I know like I needed the extra push. Um, and to this day, like, I, I still get so much out of, out of these medicines. And it's, it's because I'm so programmed still, <laughs> like, I'm still, I can admit that, like, I have a lot of work to do still. And no matter how aware I am in my day to day, and like how, how much I try to notice around me, how often I try to just like, be in the moment. And just like, notice the world around me and notice my thoughts that come into my head and try to rewire the thoughts that I have. Like, I still need the help. (laughs) I still have a long way to go. And um, I think with birth, that's very necessary in terms of like, do you want to have this specific type of birth experience? Like, you need to deprogram everything that you've learned from the world around you. Um, and that is just like the push for me that I needed and still need. So, yeah. Yeah. That's such a true statement because like I said, with the plant medicine, if you are on a mushroom trip and you're listening to the fear thoughts in your head, you're going to have a bad trip. They could be there, but if you're listening to them and believing them, it's the same with birth. In birth, you can be bombarded with some fear thoughts, but if you start believing them and acting on them, that's what changes your birth experience versus letting a fear thought come up, witnessing it, and knowing it means nothing. Because mm-hmm. that's, that's the purpose of your mind. Your pur- the purpose of the mind is to try to keep you safe and alive at all times. So it's going to tell you all the most worst fears you could ever possibly imagine or even little fears, but it's just fear, thought, fear, thought, fear, thought, fear, thought. And it's not true 99.9% of the time. Did you experience that in your birth? You can start going to your birth story if you want. I'm curious yeah. if you had fear thoughts. 
Um, yeah, I think my biggest was like, am I, my labor was three days long. So <laughs> it was long. It was 72 hours. Um, from the time I started feeling contractions to the time I went into active labor, um, my midwife did message me, letting me know she was sick. So maybe my labor was a little stalled because of that as well. Um, I was like, hell no, I'm not like free birthing this baby. Like you're, <laughs> I'm not ready for that right now. Like you're coming. This is my first time doing this. Um, she just wanted to make sure she didn't have anything serious like COVID or anything like that would prevent her from being here. So she was like, I, I at least need to take a test tomorrow, make sure like, you know, so just keep me posted. And I was like, okay, so maybe that stalled my labor. I, I was in fear that she wasn't going to be here. Like something was going to prevent her from coming. And then I was going to have to have a stranger here, like somebody that she was going to recommend come somebody I've never met before. Like that was definitely a fear, but also like, when is this going to be over? Those are my two um, main fears because I was in it. I was in it for a long time. And I remember the pain being something I like couldn't comprehend at the moment. I was like, oh my gosh, and this is just going to keep getting worse. You know, like, can I make it through alive? Um. <sighs> And it got worse. It got way worse. I remember just trying to make myself comfortable in any way. Like your, your mind just wants comfort. Your body just wants comfort. And so you just try a million things. Like that's pretty much what labor is. You're just trying to make yourself comfortable so that you can withstand as much of the pain as possible. I know a lot of people have like pain-free births and orgasmic births. And like, that's all amazing. I love that. I hope one day I can experience that. But like, no, I was in pain. <laughs> like I just was trying to search for the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and I remember like day three when it was like, we were there, like it, it was time. Contractions were just getting stronger and closer together. So I had less time to relax in between contractions. Like I wasn't able to sleep at all. I was not able to hold food down. I was throwing up like crazy, which also reminded me of like a, a bad trip. Like, I don't know if you've ever had like such a trip where like you just like throw up and like you can't stop throwing up and like things just seem to get worse as you're throwing up. Like, like, I don't know. I, I felt like I was in a bad trip. I, and I remember telling Travis that I was like, oh my God, this feels like a really bad acid trip right now. Like I cannot stop throwing up. And every time I throw up, like the pain just seems to get worse. So it was like the cycle of like, ow, this hurts, throw up. Oh, it hurts more, throw up more. And it was just like, he was just trying to feed me so that I could have like some nourishment in my body. Yeah. He was giving me fruits. He was giving me honey, but everything just tasted like shit. Like I just did not want anything. And he's like, you need this. Like if you want to birth this baby here and have any strength to push at the end, like you need to be eating. And I just like man, it was a ride. It was crazy. It was wild. And it just like felt like it was never ending. I was like, I'm going to be here for the rest of my life. Like that was definitely a fear. Like, am I ever going to come out of this alive? Um, 
And I just remember like comfort, comfort, like what's going to be comfortable right now? Like, let me get on my hands and knees. No, this hurts. Like, let me get on my side. Fuck this. This hurts. Like nothing was comfortable. Nowhere was comfortable. I think like finally we got the birth pool going and I got in there and I was like, okay, this is good. This is a good spot to be in. And I was in that pool for like a good hour and a half before my midwife was like, you should probably be like moving a little bit, honey. She's like, I know this is comfortable for you in here, but like the baby will come out quicker if we switch the position up, we get a little movement in. And I was like crying when she was telling me this. I was like moving from the birth pool. Like, no, (laughs) no. She was like, I promise you, if we try walking down the steps, like baby will come. Let's try walking down the steps. And I just remember that thought over and over again is like, try to see the light at the end of the tunnel because there is a light. Like there's no possible way you can be here forever. Like your body will not just like hold this baby in forever. Like you are going to expel this baby out. It will come out of you. Um, I remember being asked a few times, like, do you feel the need to push? Like, are you pushing right now? And I was like, I don't know. (laughs) She was like, are you like, like, does it feel like you need to poop? I'm like, I don't think so. She's like, okay, so you're not pushing. I was like, I don't think I'm pushing. Like, I I just wasn't sure, (laughs) you know, like you don't know what you're being asked because you've never done it before. And you're like, I don't know what I'm feeling. All I'm feeling is like pain and I'm just trying to meditate through it. Like that's, that's all that's going on. Um, but I remember like getting out of that birth pool. My husband was holding me on one side. The midwife was holding me on the other side. I was just like hanging over them, slowly walking down the steps. It took me like, I want to say like eight minutes to get down my staircase because that's how many contractions I had in between each step at the end there. Um, And they were right. I definitely needed to be moving around because then I ended up having that baby like 10 minutes later. Um, But like such a wild ride. The pain is like definitely a deep, deep, deep sensation. It was for me. And the whole like journey was just, I think I looked at Travis a few times and I said, okay, like this would be the point I would want to go to the hospital. Like right now, I'm thinking about going to the hospital. I did say that a few times. So I have to admit that, that I was so deep in it that I was like, I understand. Like if I were in a space right now where somebody was offering me relief from this, how the fuck could I say no? Like how could I say no? Totally. And so like- I don't blame women that, you know, ends up, you know, searching for that relief and and receiving it. Because if I were in the space where somebody were asking or telling me that that is an option, I would take that option right now. And I think I even said like, let's go. And he was like, we're not going. He had to tell me like, this is what you chose and this is what we're doing. So we're not going. Like, you're getting this done here. He was like, imagine having these contractions in the car. Is that what you want to do? I was like, no. (laughs) No, let me just get it over with here. Um, But yeah. He has the masculine structure in that. He was. He held it down for the whole three days between, like, getting the house set up, the sheets ready in case I birthed the baby on the sheets, having enough towels ready. Just making sure the water in the birth pool was warm enough for me, making sure I was eating, 
Like he was really like, I think that's why the midwife barely was around because he was so on it that like she, I'm pretty sure she went into my guest bedroom and was like napping most of the time because she had just came from another labor. Um, So like he was just so on it. He knew exactly like what I needed at every moment. He knew exactly what my environment had to be like. Like the candles were lit, the music was going, the lights were off. Like I did not have to say anything. Like he knew what I needed. And then when I brought up like it's time for the hospital, he was like, no. Like he's like, I just did all this work. Like I got the candles going, I got the lights down low, like I got the music going. Like we're not going anywhere. You're doing it here. So I needed that. I needed like his masculine energy to hold me down for sure. Yeah, a, a passive man in that moment could have been like, okay, 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 let's go. Oh, That's yeah, not what's needed sure. in that. Also, I want to touch on the mind's need for comfort. The mind's want for painless and the mind's need for fast. So our our mind always wants fast, easy, painless instant gratification and labor usually is not that it is for some people because they can have 30 minute births you know you know but but that's a whole other thing because that blindsides them and that's really hard to deal with also well that's another thing that's what what, that's what i'm it's it's sad to admit this but that's what i'm hoping for for this time around like i look back and i i'm and even talking about it now i'm like man i don't know if i could do like the three days like that again like I mean, I know I could do it because I've done it once. I could do it yeah, twice. Yeah, you have. I ha- I can do it for sure. But like, do I want to? No. <laughs> like, I would love like a quick labor. Pain, I can handle the pain, but for a shorter amount of time. Like, of course, that's my desire now. Like, that's still my desire. Even after going through what I went through and being able to come out of it. And I felt like a rock star afterwards. But like, I still am in the space where I'm desiring little pain, quicker labor, you know. But that's natural because that's what I want to touch on is our mind, right? Our mind and our soul are two totally different things. And the mind wants fast, easy, painless, instant gratification. And you were home and trying to be in the most comfortable positions to have the least amount of pain. And so your mind was like, no, I'm not walking down steps because that's going to bring more pain. I am not doing that. And that's what's so interesting is because the if if the mind's running the show, it's going to curl up in a ball and clench and and just be like, "No, I'm doing this because it's bringing me the less pain." And that's what I want is less pain. But sometimes for some people, the body, the woman's body moving is what helps the baby also shift, right? Like, because it's a co-creative teamwork. And if the mom just wants to curl up in a ball and clench and be like, no, this is what's the most comfortable thing. The baby's not having that co-creative team, that teammate that's helping them do all the twists and turns to get them down the birth Mm -hmm. canal. And it's just such an interesting conversation because it's like, oh, I'm trusting my body. My body wants to not move and it wants to clench and it wants to stay comfortable. And, and there's that primal aspect of our body not wanting pain. So there's this whole conversation of being aware that your primal self wants to curl up in a ball and do the comfortable position 
to avoid pain mm-hmm. because that's it always wants to avoid pain, right? In every aspect of life, it never wants to go through grief, right? It never wants to go through heartbreak. It never wants pain. And so yet to have a husband or birth um, attendant suggest movement can be so helpful, especially for a first-time mom. It's different for everyone, but I just think it's a it's a good conversation because you were home and you didn't have pain meds, but you were still trying to do the most comfortable thing to alleviate pain, mm-hmm. which isn't inherently bad, but that's just our primal nature. And if you were in a hospital, how could you have resisted pain meds? Because that's what the that's what the mind wants so bad. And it also goes to show like the fear of the pain. It's like usually if you fear something, it's the thing you need to face. And it's the thing that's going to allow you to open up and grow in all areas of life. I mean, birth, but also beyond. Um, and that's why they say like you you live the way you birth, right? Or you birth the yep. way you live. I mean, yep. both ways. So I learned that from my birth. Like, oh, I feared this this moment of like, if I walk down the steps, like I'm going to hurt badly. Like that's the last thing I want to do. But when I allowed myself to do the last thing I wanted to do, then I was able to grow from that and to go from there and to have that baby. And so like now I take that approach outside in my in my personal life. It's like if there's something, like even being on this podcast, like if I fear doing it, like that's probably something I need to do. Like that's my opportunity to grow. So I took that from my birth. I was able to walk away with that. Um, like the scary things are the things that you need to jump in and do. So it's so true. Mm-hmm. So after the stairs, did you go back into the water? After the stairs, I was already downstairs. I was not going to go upstairs. <laughs> like I made it this far. Like, let's keep walking, but like on a level field. So we walked to my bathroom, I think. Um, And I knew I wanted water again. I just wanted to be in water. Water is like the most healing and like the most like comforting thing for me. Um, Especially like when tripping too. Like I just like need water. (laughs) Like there's something about water. And so I remember walking into the bathroom and I was like, okay, turn on the shower. Like I need the shower. And we got into the shower. It was me and Travis. And I think the midwives were just standing outside watching outside the bathroom, just making sure we didn't need anything. Um, And that's when like transition began, Um, which I was so thankful I was in the shower. Cause that, like I said, the water just like going down my back at that point is what I needed. And I'm like a hot water shower girl. So I remember like having it all the way up and they were like, okay, you're going to have to turn this down a little bit. Like this is like way too hot for the baby to come out in. Like this is, this will burn. I was like, okay. So I remember turning the shower head down a little bit. And then um, I have like this bench in my shower and I was leaning forward on it. And I remember feeling the baby's head. Like there is no mistaking that feeling. Like once you feel that head come out, there is no mistaking that there is like a full on head coming out of you. 
So like I knew this was it. And I remember thinking when the ladies were asking me, like, are you pushing? Like now I know the feeling that they were talking about. Like now I'm pushing. And I wasn't even like actively pushing. It was just like the reflex was coming out. And Travis was behind me. He was doing like these hip squeezes. It was like one of the most comforting things at the at that time, I remember. And I just remember telling him like, do not stop squeezing my hips. Like this is what I need right now. The pelvic hip squeezes, highly recommend. Um, and I was standing, my legs were shaking. The head was out. I was like, oh my God. And in that moment, I remember thinking, I am never having another baby again. <laughs> I was like, we're never doing this again. Like in that moment, I was already thinking like, is this possible for me to do again? I was like, no, we're never doing this again. That was like my transition phase. We're, this is our only child. <laughs> and I remember one of the um, birth assistants like telling me like, oh, get on your knees. This will be good. Like get on your knees. And I got up. No, they didn't tell me to get my knees. I got on my knees myself actually. Um, and I remember her telling me I needed a towel because my, my shower floor is like very rocky and she was like, you're going to hurt your knees. Like, let me get, let me get a towel. So she comes in and she tries to put like some padding on my knees as the baby's head is out. And, um, I remember thinking like, I cannot, like, I cannot lift myself up for you to put this towel underneath me. She's like, honey, you have to like your knees, your knees are going to hurt. I was like, oh, okay. So I forced myself. And of course she was right. Like every time I didn't want to do something that they were telling me to do, like they were right. They knew what they were doing. I had these women here who have like witnessed this a million times. Like they know what's going on. And every time I listened, I was like, okay, you're right. So they put the towel underneath. It felt so good. I was like, okay, like I can relax now. And um, I just remember telling myself like, don't fight it. Like don't fight it. Like baby's head is coming out. Do not fight it. And it was just like this sensation that I could not explain. Um, you just feel yourself like completely opening up down there. Um, and I just, it was like the reflex. I didn't do anything. I don't think I did anything. I just had to tell myself to like hang in there. Like hold on. Like your body is just like doing its thing. And I don't feel like I was in control whatsoever there. I just kind of like surrendered to that moment. I remember lifting one leg up. I was on my knees, but I lift, lift my left leg up. And then Travis's hands were underneath me from behind and he caught the baby. I just remember that feeling of like relief and like release too. It was just like everything came out and then like my body just like, huh, like relaxed. It was like the biggest like relaxation, like loosey goosey feeling ever. It felt so good to just be done. You know what I mean? It was just like, whoa, <laughs> after three days, like I'm done. Like that was the light at the end of the tunnel. Like it finally came. Like the light that I kept myself forcing to see throughout the whole experience, like was finally there. And like I did that myself. And that was the best feeling. And I remember Travis passing the baby back under me after he caught her. And I was just like, I could not understand what I was holding. It was like crazy. I just like, 
I looked at the baby, but I couldn't like, my brain couldn't process. It was so crazy that I was like holding this like baby that was inside of me for months that I was growing. And like now, now she was in my hands. I just like couldn't understand. My brain couldn't like wire it together. (laughs) I just looked at her and I was like, oh my God, this is what's been inside of me. Like, this is crazy. Like she's no longer inside. Like she's outside. Just trying to like understand that was wild. And the fact that you're like so out of out of it from all that energy you've just exerted, like it was just so hard to comprehend. But it was all I know it was the best feeling ever. And I just like held her to my chest. I sat back on the shower floor. Travis was behind me. We were on the floor. He was holding me from behind. And we were just looking at her like, oh my God, this was crazy. She is beautiful. We hadn't checked what she was yet. We didn't know if she was a boy or girl. But I just remember like seeing all the hair on her back. And I was like, oh, she's hairy, like cute. I love it. Um, And then Travis said something. It's so funny, like what the first words are, you know? I said something like, oh, she's so hairy, so cute. And then Travis said something like, she sp- it smells like jizz. <laughs> and we have that on camera too. Um, just like randomly. Like, Travis. She, sm- she smells like jizz. I'm like, how could that be the first words that come out of your mouth? That was literally the first words after all of that. Great, Travis. Um, yeah. Like, yeah, she does smell like jizz. But you didn't have to say that out loud. <laughs> there was no filter. For anyone there. Yeah. Um, but best experience ever, like the best relief, the best, the most empowering moment in my entire life. Um, and in that moment, I was like, yeah, we're not doing this again anytime soon. But that was really cool. And now you're pregnant. You know, and I got pregnant six months later. So she was only six months when we found out we were pregnant again. Um, so that just goes to show like you do forget the pain. You do um, you know, you hang on more to like the empowering feeling that comes out of it and like just the amazement and like the love more than the pain. Like all of that overpowers everything I I went through with the fear and the pain and like not knowing if I was going to come out of it alive. Like I did come out of it alive and I felt like amazing for doing it and for accomplishing what I said I was going to do. And for birthing the, my baby the way I wanted to and the environment I wanted to and the way that I wanted to. And like, it can be done. It can be done despite like what everybody likes to tell you, all the fears they like to project on you, the traumatic stories. Um, you know, none of that came into play for me. I just did my own thing and I was ready to do it again like months after. <laughs> I was like, that was so awesome. We should do it again. And he was like, are you sure? Because I remember you saying you were not going to do that again. I was like, no, I'm ready. Like, I want it now. So that just goes to show you, like, the good really does outweigh the pain. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's so amazing. And when you were talking about, you know, focusing on the light under the at the end of this tunnel and just thinking, feeling like it wouldn't end, I recently was in some grief. And I revisited the portal of grief and the ego, the mind tries to convince you that you'll always feel like this and things will never be better. And that's what it feels like might happen in the birth portal 
is that the ego can say, it will be like this forever. Or the fear. Mm-hmm. You're never going to push this baby out. You're going to be in fear and pain and in this feeling forever. And it's not true. It's not true at all. Like there's always that light under the at the end. Always. Yeah. I know. And I just kept focusing on that because I, I had that realization. Like there's no way I can be stuck here. Like this baby has to come out. Like what? what is the baby going to do? Like sit in there forever? No. Like baby wants to be out too. There's no room anymore to grow. Like baby has to come out of me. So just like remembering like the light, the light, the light. I just kept seeing like a ball of light. Every time I closed my eyes, I just kept seeing the ball. And that's the hope. The hope that I needed was the light. So, and that was like God giving me that light too. He knew that was like the light I needed to focus on. Um, Because God is the light and God is the truth. And, you know, the truth will set you free. So I just kept focusing on the truth. Like this is going to end. This light is proof to me that like there is an end to this and I'm going to make it out alive pretty much. So yeah, yeah. beautiful. What was your relationship with God during that labor? Like were you playing certain music? Were you praying? Or were you just like concentrating on that ball of light? What was that like? It was just the ball of light. I remember, Aww. I mean, speaking for sure with God and asking him like, you know, if there's any extra strength you can give me right now, like, please like bestow that upon me. Like, I know that like, I believe we all have like divinity within us. And if we channel that, and that was my, that was my moment to channel it. Like that was, I knew that this was like a big thing I'm going through. Like he designed me for this. And if he designed me for this, then he's able to bestow the extra strength I need onto me to get through this. Um, and I feel like, like I was saying that ball of light was from him. Just like, here, I'm giving you this light. Like, just focus on this light. Yeah. And so I really tried not to like, um, what's the word? Like barter or not barter. I can't, can't think of the word. But you know, when you're like, God, if you just give me this, like, I'll be like this forever. Like, if you just, you know. Um, Isn't that bartering? Bar- is it Bargaining. Bar- Bargaining. Bargaining. Thank you. Bargaining is word. I really tried not to like have that mindset. You know, I've been like hungover before, like throwing up in a toilet, like saying, please like make me feel better and I'll never drink again. Like I've had those moments in the past and like I I didn't want to be in that space because I feel like that's also like a little bit of like victimhood. Um, So I tried not to like bargain with him. I, I didn't need to because I was made for this and I just needed like him to remind me that I had the strength to get through it. And yeah, I did. So it was great. What do you want women to know about that, about their ability to birth, even when they don't think they can? Because you live that. You're like, bring me to the hospital. (laughs) We are so capable, but it takes having the right people around too. It does. I think community is a big thing. I think if you can find at least one person to tell you that they believe in you, like that goes such a long way. It really does. I mean, we have the power to do that despite not having that person. We, we do. 
but there's something about somebody there holding your hand, telling you like, you can do this. That makes such a huge difference um, because you can. And sometimes we do need to hear it from other people. You know, we're not meant to take on the world on our own. Community is everything. Um, and like I said, it was hard for me to find that in person. You're going to hear the traumatizing stories. Like you're going to hear all the negative experiences. When you tell people that you're going to take this like route to birth unmedicated or birth at home, like you're going to get their projections. It's inevitable. And I think I tried to flip the script instead of like getting annoyed and instead of like using that to place fear in me. I think I looked at those stories as an example of, I don't want that. <laughs> like you're just validating like that. I need to be doing this in this way then like your traumatic story, your hospital story, like is just validating that I need to be at home and I need to be with people that actually know me and care about me and like understand why I'm doing this and why I'm choosing to do it this way, who have like a deep relationship with God, who understand that this is just something we're made for. And that's like my big advice because that's something everyone's going to experience if they decide to do a home birth or do an unassisted birth or you know, unmedicated, like people are going to project. And that's the one big thing I think everyone experiences when moving through this journey. Um, so just to like learn to block that out and to flip the script and understand like that those are your messages to that you're heading in the right direction, that you're doing something that's for you and for your baby. And like, you don't want to have a traumatizing story. So why follow their path? That's beautiful. I love that flip. Mm -hmm. When you were to. talking, yeah, that's amazing. When you were talking, what came to me was the mother wound and my understanding of it in the past year is when another woman is doing something that we are a little bit jealous of, like they're owning their body or they are trusting their body. Maybe oh, yeah. we wouldn't have a home birth, but when we, when a woman is living in a way that there's a part of us that wishes we could, it feels like a betrayal to that person. Like you're, you're outshining me and you're outshining me. And that feels like a betrayal to me. Like you need to be in suffering like me and you need to be a partner in pain with me. You can't be doing something, you know, more trusting than me. And I learned that's the mother wound and it's between mothers and daughters sometimes. And I see it as some people might call it the sister wound, but I see it now amongst women. You know, if someone, if a woman is actually trusting her body, that other woman is like, but that's, that's a betrayal to me. You know, you're outshining me now and, and my ego, my mind can't, can't handle that. Yeah. And you will get like that again, victimhood mentality. It, it definitely comes in conversation. And I see it a lot when I talk about like my experience and, oh, you're, you're going to plan to do it another home birth, right? Like, of course I am. And I'll hear like, I got a lot of the times like, oh, I wish I could do that, but I can't. Like I had last time I had to have a C-section or I had to do this or I had to do this. And it's like the had to is like, 
such a weird wording for me. And I never know how to like go about the conversation after that, because at the same time, I don't want to be insensitive. You know, I do, I do understand that everybody goes through their own journeys and maybe they're just not ready in this lifetime to take that path and and jump in like that. Um, But I do get that, like that wound mentality a lot of the times when I share my story. And so it kind of makes me uncomfortable to share sometimes because it's kind of the same thing, right? It's like this energy of like, where do I go from here with this conversation? Like, do I want to try and pull this person out of that mentality? Or is it just like something that they have to figure out on their own, like a journey they're just going on? And like, I'm not going to be able to change their mind in any way. But it's sad when you hear people talk like that, because it's like, well, it could be you, (laughs) you know, like if you just didn't have that mentality that you had to do this or that you have to be at the hospital because this might happen since it happened last time. Like, I I don't know. I hear, but then I hear the women, you know, that do the home births after the cesareans and I'm like, okay, like they don't speak that way (laughs) about their, their traumatic experience in a hospital. Like they've completely taken out the victimhood mentality out of that and have been able to flip the script. So I think it's just like, again, rewiring your brain, um, not living, you know, in that like, oh no, this happened to me and now I'm going to let this define me. Um, being able to come out of that and say like, I'm met for more, I can do more. Um, so yeah, it's definitely a weird, a weird thing to share I know, and receive from people. Um, very hard to go from there. And you like, I think you deal with this all the time because you run a pretty like successful birth account. And I feel like when I read the comments on there, it's like that same language of like, oh, this is nice, but you're being insensitive because I had to do this and you don't know anything about this. Like you couldn't possibly know because you're not in my shoes. Um, and so it's sad to see that on the internet. It's sad to see that in real life. But the had to the had to language can be changed into an empowering way if people want, because it's hard for people to understand that their C-section was a choice, even if it felt like life and death. You know, you might feel like you have no choice, but you if if you can always do nothing, but that's not that might not be a wise choice, but you can always do nothing. You don't have to have a C-section, even if it's life or death. So it's always a choice. And when people say, that doesn't even make sense. No, you can always do nothing. That doesn't mean it's smart or wise, but there is choice. Or just just change the language. Like, I decided. I decided to have a C-section or, you Yes. So instead of saying, I had to have a C-section, I had to make the best choice for myself in, in that moment. And you did. And own that, that Mm -hmm. agency, that power, that language is powerful. I had to make the best choice for myself in that moment. Mm -hmm. And and you did. You probably did do the best what was best for you in that moment. Mm -hmm. But no one, no one put a gun gun to your head and forced you to have a C-section. It was a choice. And it probably was a wise choice for your situation. Sometimes not, but sometimes yeah. And so just like. It's so empowering to change from that victimhood to that empowering 
you you had to choose the best choice for your situation. And you probably did. Mm-hmm. And now you can own that. You don't have to feel shame with that. No, it's nothing to, to be that's shameful powerful. about. Yeah, I really like that. No, and maybe I'll, I'll, that's the thing is like, do do I, is it our responsibility to help women get there? Um, and that's like a lot of like my doula work is, is based off of like that as awareness is like, you know, helping flip the script and like understanding like the language that is being used. Like, is that for your own good or is that just you kind of like wallowing in that experience and not growing from it? You know, um, again, that's like an experience that happened that you can grow from instead of just like look back and say, Oh, that happened to me. It's like, maybe that happened for you. Like, there's a lot of good that can come out of that. Um, but it, it takes being aware of those thoughts. It takes being aware of the language. It takes being aware of like, also, like you said, that's like that comparison mother wound. Like, how are you looking at other women who are maybe taking a different route than you, who maybe have, you know, the experience that you wish you could have had? Like, how are you going about those thoughts? Um, and that's, yeah, the comparison mind is very, that's a whole yeah. other thing that we could dive into. But yeah. I know when, when I'm dealing with women that I'm talking to and are very different than me, I always just do an invitation to them. And I'm like, hey, um, if you ever want to talk about this or want a new perspective on your situation, like I'm here, I'm here, like we could talk about it anytime. And I do this one invitation to them and then they get their free will of whether they want to or not. But it's not my responsibility to change their mind about anything. It's not my responsibility to make them a survivor mentality person. Like they're their own person. They're their own sovereign person. I get to live my life the way I want and they get to do the same. So but it I would just be do beautiful. an invitation. It would be beautiful to be the person to help them arrive to that place. Wouldn't it be like, I feel like that's a lot of like, um, kind of like Jesus's like discipleship. Like we want to bring them to that place out of, um, out of love. Obviously we can't force anyone to do anything, but by, like you said, by being yourself and by being the example and leading your own life in that way, that's how others might be able to do the same. They might be able to look at you and say like, she has something that I like and like, how can I get there with her? And so I think that's, that's why peaceful birthing and gentle birthing, I think that's, that could be like a way to change the world in my opinion. Um, I know. Yeah. Because you did the very thing you thought you couldn't, Mm -hmm. you literally thought you couldn't birth Mm -hmm. your baby and you did. So look at who you are now. You did the biggest thing, the hardest thing you've ever gone through. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then I'm doing it again. So it just goes to show like it's empowering and it's like exciting and it shouldn't prevent like that experience. Nobody should feel prevented. Like nobody should look back at their birth and think like, I'm never doing that again. Like obviously in the moment I had that thought, yeah, through the pain, but Like, I just feel like we should all be empowered by it. We should all look at it as a way of like thinking, like, I can do anything after this. Like, I could do this 10 times over if I wanted to. Like, 
why not? <laughs> you know, like it's such, just such an empowering thing to go through and it should be for everyone. I want that for everyone. Like I want every woman to come out of their birth thinking like I'm on the top of the world. Like that's the best feeling. And like, I want everyone to have a piece of that in some form or another. Yeah. I have this saying that I say, if, if birth was inherently traumatic, no one would exist. Like nature would never create birth to be inherently traumatic because no one would have babies after one and the species would die. Mm -hmm. So if birth is traumatic, it means something was not right with the experience. The fact that you want to do it again, even though in the moment you didn't want to, is proof that it was natural and inherently right because you want to do it again. And now the species will continue because you want to have another baby and another baby and another baby. Because if if it was inherently traumatic, no one would have more than one baby ever. I love that. That's like perfect. Exactly. I think we've covered everything, but I do want to know if you want to say anything about breastfeeding, your placenta birth, being a mother, this current pregnancy, anything that comes to mind. Yeah, breastfeeding is a whole nother journey in itself. That's a whole like other ball game. I mean, I can't say I had the breastfeeding journey that I wanted to have, but I think my first time around was kind of like a bit of a trial run and now I know like what to expect, what I want to do differently. Um I just think like that's a whole nother experience on its own and I feel like no matter how many of these like lactation classes I took, like I thought I prepped well enough for it. Like there's nothing like just going through it to fully understand what works for you and what's going to work for your baby. Um, but I thought like I was prepared. I knew like the ins and outs of it and then you're in it and it's just like, well, a whole nother ball game. Um, but I think I went to a couple of well visits <laughs> Um, with Raina and, um, you know, I had found a really good doctor, doesn't push any vaccines, um, wouldn't even talk about it. Cause she knew like the first appointment and said, it's a hard no, like never talk about it again. So never got brought up again, um, which I loved. And, um, I do remember though, one time I came in with her and they weighed her on the scale and, um, I think like she ended up pulling out the chart, you know, the chart they always pull out of like your baby should be, here. most babies are here. So your baby should be right around here, but your baby is actually here. So we want the baby more here. And I remember like going through that and like just feeling so anxious when I left because we, I was already like trying to figure out like, okay, like how much milk does my baby really need from me and how often and am I giving her enough? Like you're already going through all these um, emotions and thoughts and like it's a whole, it's a whole nother game. And then you walk into this office and this lady is telling you that your baby's not growing fast enough. Um, so leaving that, I'm feeling anxious. I really feel like that took a toll on how much milk I was producing. My body was responding to that energy. I 
was just sitting there like so obsessively researching these forums of like, how much is your baby drinking? Like, this is how, how old my baby is. Like how much is, how often do you feed your baby? Like, is it, is it every three hours? Is it every two hours? Should I be giving the baby my boob every time she cries? Like, is that too much? Like there's so many thoughts that come into your head. Cause you just like, this is your first time doing it. Um, so I just want to have more grace with myself this time. I don't want to be so obsessive, just like my first conception where I was like on the forums and the anxiety and like, then I had a miscarriage, right? So then like my breastfeeding journey, I walk into this office, they tell me my baby's not big enough. I leave and I'm anxious and on the forums again, the freaking forums. And then I'm not producing enough. Like my milk supply, just like, I don't know what happened. Um, and it was like right around, like, I think seven months was when we stopped um, our breastfeeding journey. I wanted to go like, at least in my head, I was like, Oh, I'll be the mom that breastfeeds for like two years. So you create almost like this expectation of yourself too. Like, like, Oh, I I'm going to be the type of mom that goes as long as possible. Like if I, if I can make it to two years, like I'm going to be that mom. And like, you place so much pressure on yourself rather than just like live day by day. Like I didn't need to already plan what type of journey we were going to have. Like it was, it should have yeah. just been like in the moment lived in, you know what I mean? It's um, it's the mind future projecting, yeah, right? Like, and it's natural. Like when we desire something or fear something so much, we future project to an expectation. So you desired breastfeeding so much. You're like, oh, I'm going to breastfeed for two years. And there's nothing inherently wrong or bad with that. But that future projecting of the mind, which it constantly always does, creates expectation and then we suffer when life doesn't go according to the expectation when you had that ultrasound with the first pregnancy and they're like oh the sack is too far away from this and then it made you spiral of like oh it's not good enough it sounds so similar to the pediatrician appointment where your baby wasn't good enough so then your body's not good enough and that's like the theme that i hear you're not good enough. And then it spirals your mind to then seek external information to, you know, help it. And that's the mind spiraling of like forums. And I've, I've been there. The best advice I could give is find somebody who believes in you. Like when you asked me like for your birth, yeah. Find somebody who believes in you because that's everything. Somebody saying you can do it or you are good enough or you've got this. Like that makes such a difference. Like just hearing that. A seed of doubt. That seed of doubt, one little comment from a lactation consultant, a doctor, someone, a little seed of doubt planted in the ego mind can spiral, make a spiral, and then completely change our body mechanics because our mind is our body. And like, I have no doubts that 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 one doubt, you know, could have influenced your milk production because our mind is our body. And it's really important to have that mind awareness. But the Mm -hmm. forum thing is funny because I think um, it's a great red flag actually to put out there. Like if you're searching forums, um, you're probably spiraling. You need to center yourself, get back into your soul. Not you specifically, all women out there. I've done it, right? No, it's definitely spiraling. It's like you're seeking 
you're seeking validation from other people, you're seeking information outside of you, and you're going to see things that you're not going to like and that you're not going to resonate with and that like it's just inevitable. You're going to see the good and you're going to see the bad. You're going to take more of the bad. Like we're we're just used to like seeing the bad and yep. like going, "Oh my god," and like sitting on that. You know what I mean? Like you're going it's just inevitable. And so I yeah, stay away from the forums. Like there's no need. There's really no need. You know what's funny though? There is there is no need, but we are seeking that instead of going to God. Right? Like God has all the answers, you know, or dropping into your womb space, whatever you call it. It's that space of peacefulness that cannot be compared to anything else. It's our mind that wants the forums and the logic and the information when really we can always go to God. Exactly. <laughs> but it's, it's harder. It takes more time. It's it takes <laughs> harder. Quieting, quieting your mind. Quieting your yeah. mind is not easy. So <laughs> no. yeah, I, I was living on the forums for a while. And then especially, <laughs> especially with the breastfeeding, I was on all the breastfeeding forums. And um, yeah, after a while, I, I just – my milk just disappeared. Like I did everything I could. I drank all of the electrolytes and I drank all of, I had all the nourishing foods and I was doing everything right. Like everything, but it was obsessive. And I just think like your body can read when you are being obsessive um, to the point where like, I'm like, okay, well now I got to figure out like, you know, what am I going to give my daughter? Like, I don't trust anything out there. Like, the breast milk, we all know breast milk is the best. Like that's, you can't get better than that. So like having to like make my own formula at home, at least it was like the closest thing I could trust if I was making it here myself, you know? Um, and then like, that was a whole nother obsessive journey. Like, am I giving her like the best? Like, is this as close to my breast milk as I can get? Like, am I doing enough? Um, because we want to give our babies the best, you know? And so I don't blame anyone that has that like mindset of like, I need to go this long breastfeeding because it's engraved in us. I think that, you know, we are the best we could give our children. And then when you don't feel good enough, it's like, well, then she's not receiving what she deserves. <laughs> and that mindset, it's yeah. really hard. It's, it's, yeah. So this time around, I definitely just, I want to give myself a little bit more grace. And now that I know what to expect, like, I'm not going to let anybody's, First of all, the well visits are BS too. So I, I'm going to try to avoid those because I feel like that also plays a big role in like how I walk out and continue to mother after those appointments. Um, and so just trying to like stay away from that a little bit too. And hopefully I have a little bit of a better experience. So we'll see. Like I said, it's all out of my hands. Yeah, but you um, are a whole new person too, you know? with every experience. I feel like if you don't yeah. look back and kind of like cringe at like things you've gone through or like the person you were, like then you're not growing. If you don't look yeah. back and just like cringe at the thought of like, you know, I can't believe I, I did that or I, I can't believe I dated this person or I can't believe, you know, yeah. I had this experience, then you're not, you're not growing. So I think looking back and like feeling just ugh about all of that, it's good for me because it means like, yeah, I'm a different person now. That's so true. The cringe is a good thing. The cringe is a very <laughs> so good, good thing. It's very <laughs> uncomfortable to look back and feel cringy about your life or your decisions. 
but it means you've grown a lot. So embrace the cringe.